Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, Andy not with me, unfortunately, because we had a few technical uh, issues, as you'll discover uh, during this uh, podcast with the best bits. We had a few good bits for you. We spoke to a former Newcastle keeper who was reliving an infamous howler from the 70s. We tracked him down from uh, yesterday, if you were listening. Uh, We also spoke to our old mate Alvin Martin, who had a bit of an anniversary. And so we'll bring you all of that first, and then there's more developments shortly. But uh, here's how it all kicked off. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Oh, great excitement in our house during celebrity catchphrase last oh, night. Oh, yeah. When uh, Sophie Ellis-Bexter smashed it. She went over 5,000 in the early rounds and then completely <laughs> froze during the, the 50 grand wall. It was a disaster. You, really? It was like sport. In a way, it was like sport, but she was doing so well. You thought, oh, she's going all the way here. She's going to get at least 25 grand. No problem. Completely messed it up. There you go. The old wow, pressure really? what, Where did it go wrong? Did, could you, did you spot it, Andy? Did she get a bit of beads of sweat? I mean, this, this sounds... I'm going to go back and watch it now. I'm, I'm quite intrigued. <laughs> well, not really. I mean, she just she just couldn't guess any of them. And you, you start to panic. It is difficult. You've only got a minute. You've got to clear all those. You know, you've got to guess about five or six catchphrases. Yeah. Mr. Chips isn't helping, you know, so it's, he's well, putting he, a lot of Mr. pressure Mr. Chips on. is... I mean, sometimes he's no good for anybody, is he, really? It's uh, murder on the, on the studio floor, I suppose. That's what they would have gone with in the papers had they picked that's it up. A, that's a good idea. Now, I was reading about... Uh, the brilliant actor Adrian Dunbar, who of course mm. plays um, Ted Hastings in Line of Duty. Yeah, and you may you may have seen this, but I, I think I may have seen it before. But he's been talking and saying that he basically m- modelled Ted Hastings on Sir Alex Ferguson. Really, which is interesting. I don't know if he gives DS on at the hairdryer. It'd be quite good if he did wow. though. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting one. I never knew that. Well, I think actors do that, don't they? Actors sort of look at somebody and think, I want that sort of presence, Fergie's presence. And I think DS, or not DS, Hastings kind of has that, doesn't he? Yeah, Can yeah, I'd agree see? with that. And um, while you were watching Sophie Ellis Bexter on, on the <laughs> quiz show, I thought I'd take a look at um, the, the, the documentary series about the Chicago Bulls in the late 90s. Um, the Last Dance. And I'm not a massive NBA fan, but of course Michael Jordan is iconic and that was an interesting story. But I wasn't expecting it to be as engrossed as it was or or as half as good as it. It's a brilliant series. I've just watched the first part. I think there's two up there on Netflix and they're adding more next week. I mean, a mark of how interesting it was. My wife, again, no real interest in basketball at all. She was reading her book. 20 minutes in, I looked over. She was engrossed. She said, well, that, that, that is something. Hold my attention on a sport. dunking in the corner. <laughs> on a sport I know nothing about. It's not so much the, it's not too much the basketball. It's the story of the team. It's, it's kind yeah. of, the basketball's the backdrop. It's about power struggles and personalities. I, honestly, I couldn't rec- recommend it enough. It's, it's brilliantly put together. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely going to watch it. I, I love the sound of it. I loved Jordan when he was a player. He's a brilliant player, and it is a brilliant story. Um, but I'm, I've am i got to get through the test. Amazon's, I think, oh, it's 
absolutely it's like catnip you know that thing when you start watching something yeah. and then the next one goes and you think oh yeah alright I'll watch it well, that's what Netflix oh, right, does to you doesn't it it's starting yeah, yeah. To, and Sky Plus do that now they say the next episode starting in 30 seconds and you're thinking you don't even get that long on Netflix you get 10 <laughs> seconds think I'm going to bed I'm not going to bed I'm, go- I'm not going to bed and then it's already I might as well watch it now it's on yeah, exactly. so that's I, the danger uh, it, it's a brilliant study of coaching and, and how you can turn your career around and all sorts of things. The access they have is, is brilliant. It's, yeah. it's incredibly compelling. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, how many parts is it, story. Andy? Is it six eight. parts? Eight parts eight. And, they're, and they're hours, eight. yeah? Yeah, eight one-hour parts. But okay. So you obviously got to be keen. It's obviously, obviously a bit, people Steve. don't know, it's about the Australian uh, cricket team, the kind of rebirth after Sandpaper Gate, isn't it? Yeah, it starts at Sandpaper Gate and then finishes at the Ashes. And they yeah. just had this brilliant... They were very lucky, really, to get that period. I don't know whether they planned it or it just happened. They were doing it. But the interesting one is Steve Smith. Steve Smith does not stop batting. So when I say he doesn't stop batting, I mean, he's like he's in the corridor. He's playing a shot. Or he's in the bathroom and he's playing a shot. He's playing a shot here. And he's that doesn't massively surprise there. me when you, look at, when no. you look at him out there twitching. I would imagine he's like that generally. Because he said, it, the clue in it was, he said, batting is in the, batting in the middle is my happy place. Yeah. It's somewhere I feel invincible. I thought, well, not surprising, really. You are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, basically, couldn't get couldn't get him out. So that's uh, true. He just yeah, never. Yeah. It's, it fascinates. So do little bits like that. Really, really interesting. Uh, Mike Tyson, who uh, you know, obviously, he's, well, I don't know how to put this. He's a, he's a bit of an odd bloke, isn't he? Really? He was a brilliant yeah. boxer, but you know, strange guy, really. And uh, he's revealed that he once knocked out a bin man for mm. chucking away one of his dead pigeons. Oh, the wow. former heavyweight boxer, no, fifty-three, said he retaliated after the dustman dumped a crate containing his favourite pigeon, Julius. With good knowledge, he needed to know that. Who just died? Iron Mike said, I was devastated. I was going to use his crate as my stickball bat to honour him. I left the crate on my stoop and went to get something. When I returned, the dustman had, or garbage man, as he'd say, had put the crate into the crusher. Yeah. So he knocked him out. It's a bit harsh, really, I would have thought. There's a, there's a book written by um, his, one of his kind of people, a guy who was his chauffeur for many years, that our old mate Bill Burrows that lent me. And it's an interesting tale of life on the inside with uh, Mike Tyson. And there's one story there that, um, th- th- in which the chauffeur alleges that um, Mike got a phone call from a friend, he says, and it was when his marriage to Robin Givens again pear-shaped. says, um, I'm in a bar at the moment, Mike, and I can see your, uh, your wife uh, sitting on the lap and chatting rather intimately to the actor Wesley Snipes. Oh, wow. And he said, I thought I should just let you know. Oh, so um, this is what he claims in the book. So... Um, Mike goes down to the bar and uh, he walks in and she's still kind of sitting there with, with Wesley. And he looks up Wesley and, and uh, he says, Mike, it's not what it looks like. Let me just, he said, Wesley, I just want to talk, I want to talk to you, Wesley. No, Mike, he said, let's just go in, let's go in the restroom. Let's just have a conversation, Wes. No problem. So they go in the, and then there's like a noise of uh, ceramics being smashed. And then <laughs> one punch and he walks out <laughs> yeah. dusting himself down and then gets back in the car and uh, goes home. Yeah, it wasn't so, Snipes uh, who came out. It was I, well, I think, yeah, that, yeah. I, did I really need to tell you that? The, um, no, not really. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if Wesley had also been one of his pet pigeons. I don't know if that was, was a bit of previous on it. But there we are. It's a, a, a fascinating book in which it's the only book I've ever read by someone that's linked to sport. Where at the back, the author uh, sells leather jackets, gives you an offer. <laughs> it's constantly pictured in these leather jackets, this, uh, really? this uh, chauffeur. And in the end, he said, have you liked the pictures of me with Mike in my leather jacket? Well, then why not get one yourself for just $2,000? And that's like an that's order brilliant. form. Don't offer, you don't get that many books. You don't get that in the latest David Attenborough. Or is he still Sally doing Rooney's. them? I quite, I, I quite fancy one of those. Is I he think, still yeah, doing they're, them? they're a bit Larry for you, Andy. I don't know. They're, they're, <laughs> okay. they're a bit 90s and a bit Larry. I think you'd, you'd stand, you look like you're going to a fancy dress party at the moment. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Let's uh, take you back now to uh, this day in 1986. Uh, West Ham were playing Newcastle United. Devonshire will take the free kick for West Ham. It looked like McAvenny was pushed, but it doesn't matter because Alvin Martin is there to finish it off and West Ham go into the lead. And West Ham looking rampant here and it's another goal for Alvin Martin. His second of the match. Martin can complete his hat-trick here and make it West Ham 8, Newcastle 1. And he's done it. 
an incredible day for Alvin Martin and for West Ham. Yeah, what about that? Poacher's goal, a header and a pen for the eighth. Um, <laughs> it, not, not that he likes to talk about it, although I've often <laughs> talked to him about it. But it is the anniversary, so I feel, I feel we can today. Uh, good afternoon, Alvin. Yeah, it'd be rude not to, wouldn't it, Paul? <laughs> Does it feel, was it 34 years ago today? Is it really? You know, I, um, I seen it in the paper this morning. I was walking the dog this morning uh, with, with Maggie. And I thought, is that really 34 years ago? <laughs> incredible, incredible. What you also forget, Alvin, is that you had a ha- hand in one of the other goals. I mean, um, it, it might have even, because it's, it's goal bound, and Glenn Roder sticks a foot out and it goes in. So you might have even been given that these days because it's kind of heading <laughs> for goal, isn't it? Still late to claim it now, though, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to write to the FA. You should write them a, write them a letter. <laughs> in the interest of fairness, Alvin, we should say that uh, there were three different goalkeepers on the day. Tell us about that because it's a remarkable thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, well to be fair, the, the, the pitch was, was dreadful. As, as most pitches were... And, you know, coming to that stage of the season, there was sand everywhere and bobbly. So the, the standard of football was really difficult uh, to, to master. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the most um, sort of skilled or, or, you know, emotive sort of like uh, hat-trick ever. It was, it was pretty basic. I, I remember the, the, we scored really early on. I think it was three minutes into the game. Because in 1986, we were still in with the shouts for the championship mm. between us and Everton and Liverpool. So these were all important games that, were, that we were playing. And uh, the first goal, I remember just going up for a corner. I always stood at the far post. And for some unknown reason, nobody got anywhere near me. And I was just left there on my own one yard out. The ball was flicked on from the near post. And uh, I had a volley from a yard. So uh, and I got, I, all I remember is I caught it sweet as a nut. Um, it, it hit the post and went in. And uh, that that was the uh, that that was the first goal, uh, and and I, I remember Martin Thomas, the the goalkeeper. I think he came into that game and he and he wasn't 100 percent obviously, and he he should have done better on on a couple of the goals that went in. I think uh, Ray should scored the second one on 11 minutes, and then Neil Orr, who used to score a goal at once a year, decided to uh, to, to to claim his goal uh, against uh, Martin Thomas as well. Um, and I, I think then Glenn Rhodes scored the own goal that you spoke about, Paul. Mm. I, I, I know this because I, I've got it in, a, in a, a frame at the moment, and I'm just looking at it trying to recap because I, I sell these prints um, for charities. So I tell them, and the story goes on for about an hour, so we haven't got time to, to hear the whole story. But I, I'm looking at the print, and it's documented on the prints which I sign, and we raise some money for, for kids that, that, are, that are in need of it. So yeah, 43, 43 minutes was it was uh, Glenn Rhodes' own goal. And then uh, he went off Martin Thomas, uh, replaced in goal by Hedworth, Chris Hedworth, who was an outfield player. It was only one sub in them days, remember, guys? Mm. So, uh, yeah, Hedworth came in. Uh, and then I got my second goal. It was a header that I thought he should have done better on. But I think he dislocated his shoulder um, in the previous tussle with, with Tony Cotty. And he, so he wasn't 100% either. Um, anyway, that made it, what, that made it five. Mm. Uh, Billy White here scored for them. Um, made it uh, 5-1 and then he went off head with and Peter Beasley came in he was the uh, he was the third goalkeeper Paul Goddard scored the, the goal of the night um, the only good goal I think that we scored and then Frank McAvenny got a goal got in the act and he made it 7-1 with uh, 7 minutes to go in. and then and then we got the penalty uh, the penalty was uh, we had at that time I think you both know we had a, a fabulous penalty, penalty taker called Ray Stewart oh yeah and uh, yeah. he was he was unbelievable. His scoring rate was unbelievable, and he had the audacity to pick the ball up and, <laughs> and expect to take the penalty. Which uh, and I was captain at the time, Paul. So I thought, you know, I, I pulled rank on him here. So I convinced him that'd be a good idea if I was allowed to complete my hat trick. I think the fact that there was about thirty thousand fans all singing for me to take it anyway put him under immense pressure. So uh, that that was it. Yeah, I, I put the ball down. And I remember. Does it get any better than that? Seven one up with, what, four minutes to play. Mm. Uh, you've got two goals against two different goalkeepers, and the third goalkeeper is five foot eight Peter Beasley. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> get any better than that. But I, I do remember, Paul and, and Andy, one moment when I, I turned to take me run-up, I thought, what of a miss? You know, that, that niggling doubt, I'll never live it down. Horsby and Jacobs will remind me of this every year. They will. But it's a funny. I, I just took it and he went the wrong way, and that, and that mm. was it. That was. I've still got the ball now, so uh, that was a fabulous night. 
Brilliant. That's great. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's rare, isn't it, for backup keepers to do well, really, come in and save the day and earn a victory for their teams. I, I, I can't think of another occasion when that has happened recently. No. Do, you, do you know what, as well, I always notice, when, when it used to happen, you don't realise how awkward outfield players look when, you know, technically they're doing everything wrong. They're obviously athletic mm. and they can make a save. But it's all the little things that they don't do well. Even kicking the ball, you know, on the volley, or they don't move their feet; they dive everywhere. And it's it's the handling techniques that you just take for granted of of, of obviously professional goalkeepers that they don't possess, and they look really awkward and they're certainly uneasy. When you met up with uh, Peter Beardsley for England, did you remind him of that occasionally? <laughs> it got worse for him because that summer was the uh, the summer of 1986 when we went to Mexico. Mm. And unfortunately, it was his room partner. It was me. So, uh, oh, brilliant! Six weeks in the same room together, Paul. So yeah, we did. We did mention it now and again. Fantastic. You, uh, Alvin, you missed my subtext there when I was talking about that. Or maybe you did it deliberately. I was talking about backup or second keepers or even third keepers who come in, do well, and win the game for their teams. I can't think of an incident when that happened recently. Can you? No, no, I can't. I can't. Have you. It's like um. <laughs> to be fair, uh, you, you, you would have thought, you would have thought, wouldn't you? Um, like, you know, these, all these years ago. I mean, like, we're talking in the season as well that David uh, has come in and played a game. Mm. And where was it? It was Chelsea, wasn't it? Do you remember that game? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, what, yeah, that's, that's what I think. What I'm that's that's why he's still bitter. That's still what he's getting at. Still, that's why he's getting so bitter. Still. <laughs> See, I'm not one to rub it in, am I? I've, I've, I've been for Peter Beasley all these years. I'm going to turn on to, to, to Andy now. Did you ever go you in should. goal, Alf, at any time? should. Remember Bobby Moore going in goal in a game against Stoke in the League Cup in the early yeah, 70s. Did you ever yeah. go in goal for it? No, a... I didn't. Do you know what, though, Paul? I did fancy myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> before I actually turned um, apprentice professional, um, I think around sort of 12, 13, I did fancy. I thought, you know, I could have I could have maybe been a decent goalkeeper, but I never really pursued it. I just sort of thought, uh, no, centre-half or centre-forward. I was, I was undecided which, which one was the best position in the end. My lack of pace pushed me back to a centre-half. So, yeah, but I, did, I always fancied myself. I did fancy myself. Did you ever come close to scoring another hat-trick? I mean, did you ever get two in a game and have a chance yeah, to get Yeah, I got third? two in a game once um, in a game against Bristol City at Upton Park. And I, I don't think I ever got another brace anywhere. Mm. No, 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 I can't remember. You know, I used to come in with about three to four goals a season. I suppose that was my average um, yeah. in, in a season. But that was obviously a unique one-off. I mean, some of the goals were poor, but I think all the goalkeepers, for different reasons, you know, had, had issues that night injury-wise. And, and that was a West Ham side that, you know, it could have had more goals, to be fair. I think mm. so, you know, some of the goals were poor, but um, we did miss a few chances as well. What's odd about this game? I'm just looking at it now. At seven-one, there's a penalty. You get the penalty. You've talked about it. The one you scored. But it, first of all, it doesn't even look a penalty. But the Newcastle players go mad. They're surrounding the referee. They're seven-one down. What does it matter? I mean, I suppose it's professional pride. But it's a quite an odd reaction at seven-one. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I, I noticed that when. Um, to be fair, I just got onto the uh, the computer because I knew we were going to be talking about it. Just to see if I could remember any of the action that, that happened that night. But yeah, they, they, there was anger and. and um, but you know, so, when the teams get beaten that, by that sort of score, usually their heads are on the ground and you know they 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 are decimated, aren't they? But there was still obviously must have been still a little bit of fight there. Mind you, I, I dread to think what the uh, the manager would have said to him when they got back in the dressing room. Oh, yeah. It was uh, William McFarl, I think, uh, that night. So uh, I, I dare say he gave him a dressing down. Uh, finally, Alvin, how you been dealing with lockdown? How you been doing? We know you spend a fair bit of time abroad as well, and that's obviously been curtailed. So that that can't be easy. I, Paul, I'm just trying to stay as busy as possible. I, you know, I do a little bit of DIY. I've got more and more into that over the last sort of five or six years, mm. uh, and I have managed to keep myself pretty busy all the way through. I mean, I am starting to struggle to look for jobs now. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you how bad it got. Yes, but you should do a program on this. What did you do? What was it the, the, the unlikeliest job you ever would have thought <laughs> yeah. a year ago before the lockdown? <laughs> and I actually hoovered the floor in my loft. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's a good one, Alvin. We, we, we should take that. We will put that out there, Alvin. It's fantastic. Brilliant. We'll send you a check for that one. But uh, we'll you. ask the listeners then, if they'd reached the point where they didn't have any more jobs left, they, they, and they, they probably would have thought, if I wasn't in lockdown, I wouldn't be doing anything like this. So we'll ask them, Alvin. Uh, we'll ask the listeners this afternoon, have they done the equivalent of Alvin I mean, hoovering his loft the floor? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, like, happy 44th, um, was it 34th? Not that long. 34th anniversary, 34th. Alvin. Well done. And look after yourself, uh, you and the family, and we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Andy. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. We were uh, chatting to Alvin Martin on this day in uh, 1986. He scored his hat-trick. I was uh, saying at the weekend I've been watching some old big matches and they went back to the 8th of December 1974. It was Tottenham versus Newcastle and it was a young lad making his debut. It was two lads. Uh, Neil McNabb for Spurs, a young player who went on to have a good career, Spurs and City. And Tony Bell in goal for Newcastle that afternoon. And he'd made a couple of good saves in the match. Nice tip over shots and headers. Had been doing very well. And then um, this happened. Cyril Knowles, the uh, left back, slung in a, a cross. Short for Knowles. And hit in by Knowles. And well taken. Well, what an extraordinary goal. The goalkeeper threw it in his own net. His first game in the Football League, 21-year-old Tony Bell, his first appearance, and he took that ball so well as Noel shot it, took it cleanly, and threw it in his own net. Yeah, that was pretty much, uh, that's pretty much what happened. He went on in the second half to make another couple of great saves. A John Duncan header, he tipped over, so he, he, he'd never lost his call. Um, but uh, we're very pleased to say that a friend of Tony's was listening yesterday and said, oh, look, I think I can track him down for you. And sure enough, he has. And he joins us now. Tony, good afternoon. Good afternoon. So, um, what's it, have, have you watched that goal back many times over the years? Oh, quite a few. Um, it was quite unusual, but um, when, <clears throat> when we used to throw parties, everybody wanted to have a look at the, the match, you know, so... <laughs> I had it taped and I used to put it on for them. Like <laughs> <laughs> It was a shame because I, I was saying yesterday on the show that, as I said, you pulled off some really good saves in that game. Um, and, and, you know, look, that, that, that's the moment people remember. But you, you do not, I mean, you should watch back the good moments as well, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I thought I'd, I had a reasonable game apart from those six minutes before half time. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, um, I, I was the, 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 when the cross came in. I mean, it was that quick. But Frank Clark says it's yours, Tony, and and I was going to leave it actually. <laughs> and 
And I was that surprised when I caught it, but it was coming across like a rocket, you know? Yeah. And I just fell, you know, awkwardly. And that was it, like, you know? If it had yeah, I mean, Brian... it might have been a different uh, story. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And Brian Moore thinks you've saved it. You can hear in his commentary. And... Well, Cyril Knowles Wait. said after the game, he said, he said, I thought the keeper made a great save, actually. And he started to run back to cover because, you know, he thought he'd, in case you'd caught it and you were going to kick it upfield. So he yeah. ran back. He didn't even see the goal, Cyril Knowles. Cyril Knowles. So yeah. it was, uh, he admitted uh, he thought you'd made a good save. I mean, it must have been in that moment, playing your first game, as he said, Frank Clark's just alongside you, your skipper experienced player. What did, did the boys? I saw one or two of the boys come up to you and they put an arm on the shoulder. They, they're trying to they're trying to kind of make you feel better, are they? At that time. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody, you know, they, you know, they stick up for you and get you through the matches. You know, when you're not doing so good. But I always remember when the, the, the half-time whistle went. I mean, the, the the tunnel was like the far the other end of the pitch. Yeah. And um, by the time I got down there, Pat Jennings was still waiting. And, you know, he uh, he put his arm around my shoulder and said, you know, don't worry about it. He says, you know, he says, it's happened to me before. And, you know, you've just got to pull it in the back of your mind and, you know, get on with the next next move, next game. Yeah. It's a nice touch by Pat, that, and doesn't doesn't completely miss Yeah, proper gentleman. Me. Yeah, knowing what he's like. The um, so what after the game? I mean, you uh, did you feel that was it for you at the time? Did you feel you were going to get more chances, or why? Why didn't you get another league game? It wasn't just down to that, I take it. Well, it, at the start of that season, there was a change of uh, coaches at Newcastle, and um, I never saw eye to eye with the, the reserve team coach then. Um, you know, so it was difficult, but I thought I was playing really well up up up, up to then. You know, um, the games I'd been playing, you know, I, I was very confident. You know, I, I had everything uh, trust in my game, and that you know, um, yeah. and the thing was, the week after that, the Spurs game, I got married. All oh, right. <laughs> so oh, okay. I, I don't know whether you know there was the pressures of getting married and. <laughs> and that uh, might have been on the back of my mind, but um, you know, I, I won't blame that. Like, no, no. And what happened afterwards in your career? You continued to play, did you? After Newcastle? Yeah, I went to. Um, I went back to the, the local team, North Seals, uh, <clears throat> who I was playing with uh, when I got picked up by Newcastle, and um, you know I played there for a while, and then. I started full-time fishing. Uh, my dad had a cobble at the time, so, you know, it was something to fall back on. And I, I loved the fishing. You know, I loved lobster putting and salmon fishing and things like that, you know. So uh, the, the next 15, 16 years, I was I was a full-time fisherman. Oh, wow, OK. Wow, I, really? I, I also I'm read really- a... I also read a little biog. I don't think this pops up online, and it was a little little biography of you. And it said, all it says is, you were driving at the time a Cortina XL. You loved golf and bird watching, um, and that was it. It was obviously it said you were single, so it was obviously before you got married. You had hazel eyes. I take it you still have, but golf and bird watching were they other interests as well? Yeah, I, I, I like me bird watching uh, in photography and that. Uh, I don't get round much of it now because I'm more into gardening now. You know, oh, okay. the old man's game, and um, <laughs> I've 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 got a I've got an allotment, and I like the show leaks uh, in the leak shows. Oh wow! Uh, in the in the September, um, so uh, I, I was runner up last year, and I was third the year before. So I'm kind of hoping I'm we'll we'll get over this coronavirus uh, thing and and. The shows go on again in September, and hopefully, I'm going to win it this time. <laughs> Hello. It's ready, steady, go for the massive cash. And that uh, is uh, where all the technical issues started, as we were uh, chatting to Tony. Um, we were off air for about uh, half an hour, and then. We returned with Andy Smart, albeit with Andy Jacobs 
on the phone. Uh, Andy Smart gave us uh, his top five uh, sporting films or footballing films. So uh, Andy's on the phone, both Andy's on the phone, me on a fairly dodgy line, uh, and we limped along, and uh, this is how it panned out. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. We can only get in touch with Andy Jacobs on the phone. I think he's, he's been phoning it in for years, and, uh, and here he is. Good afternoon, Andy. Oh, good afternoon. Hello, Paul. It's Andy from Chiswick here. Yeah, what about the Chelsea? Train, When's the season going to start again, Andy? What do you think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, uh, tomorrow I'm broadcasting with a tin can and a piece of string. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. Andy, Andy Jacobs there uh, on the phone. And uh, we had lined up uh, Andy Smart, our old friend Andy Smart, who said last week, Look, it's always good to get him on for a chat. And he said, do you want to give us a bit of structure? He said, I'm quite happy to do... I've got, he's, a, he's a very worldly soul, as, as if you listen to the station, you'll know. And he's been to a lot of places, and he's watched a lot of things, and he's read a lot of books. And so he said, oh, I don't mind, I'll do some of my favourite football films. And we said, you know what, that might be fun. And so we'll bring them to life with a few clips. And so Andy has stuck his uh, neck on the line, and he has come up initially with his five favourite football films. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, boys. Yeah, sorry, they're not the situation we wanted to speak to you in, but no. we'll soldier on as, as long as we can. I, I, I say I'm on the only line that's working. I'm on the only line that's partially working. So if I drop off, Andy will have to pick up on the phone, which will be... Okay. Which will be it's, it's just... It's sensational. So you've been... You've kind of... It's quite interesting. Football films, they are a broad right. church, aren't they, Andy? Yeah. Because, I mean, as we, as we find as we go through... Some involve lots of football being played and are very much about football. Others yeah. use football as a bit of a plot device, don't they? They do, yeah. And I've had a great week just sitting watching clips from all my favourite football films. Um, I've got some also-rans that nearly made the top five. And then I've got a top five that uh, I've really enjoyed watching this week. OK, well, look, the listeners can interact during the section. If they want to get oh, in yeah. touch, um, let us know the ones that Andy has definitely left out, ones that should be considered. I've got one. Uh, that I feel maybe uh, should get a shout that didn't make your top five. Go on, let's then. kick off then. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll do that a bit later. Let's kick off All right. with number five. So what did you go with for uh, your fifth favourite? I went for the Arsenal Stadium Mystery, 1939 oh, yeah. film. Um, <laughs> so it was the last game played at Highbury before the war. Hmm. And it was actually a game between Arsenal and Brentford. Uh, but in the film, it's Arsenal versus the amateur team, the Trojans. All right. And... Uh, and one of the players in the second half, the Trojans score a penalty, and uh, and then the the guy who scores uh, is goes down and dies. He's put, been poisoned. Oh no! And Slade of the Yard has to step in and find out what happens. Yeah. I'm sorry to keep you waiting, gentlemen. There's just one or two routine questions I'd like to ask. Now, did any of you see Doyce eat or drink anything at half time? Well, he took a slice of lemon, but then so did most of the other boys. Yes, of course. What about the parcel? Yes, that's right. He got a parcel at half-time. A parcel? Did anybody see what is in it? Well, it's only a small thing, sir. The commissioner brought it in and I gave it to Mr. Dice myself. Yeah. Where are his clothes? Over here, sir. Oh, there we are. So that's, uh, yeah. that's a little yeah, flavour of the film. It was an interesting it's name wasn't it, to choose. Mr. Dice. I mean, what do you Mr. Dice? It's not a very common name, is it, for a movie? Andy, Andy Jacobs wants to jump in. Andy, yeah. what do you want to say yeah, on the I'm phone? Slice of lemon at half time. Then <laughs> you always have an orange. It's always been an orange. Was it, have a lemon. Well, they, maybe they weren't. Uh, what's that? What's the football like? Also, they, in, well, in half the of them, half of them have a fag as well at half time. Yeah. <laughs> and and straight after the game, they're all just sat in the dressing room having a cigarette. And the, and the crowd obviously are smoking like troopers. And you've never seen so many people with caps and and and, and trilbies on. And uh, there's a brilliant bit where the referee, um, after he gives the penalty, uh, someone in the crowd shouts out, oh, I've never seen a blind man referee before. Oh. And he runs, <laughs> he runs over and he goes, I've been keeping my eye on you all game. And he goes, well, I knew it wasn't on the batch. Oh. <laughs> Blimey. Times have does, it, does it stand up as a kind of murder mystery? Is it, is it, is it, is it good, would you say? Watch yeah, yeah. Well, for the for its time, yeah. I mean, mm. it's a it's a classic. I mean, it was written. It's from a book uh, that was originally uh, written by oh, what was his name? I can't remember now. Uh, Gribble, Leonard Gribble sounds Leonard like one Gr- of oh, the infamous Leonard Gribble. Yeah, and uh, 
and the and all the Arsenal players are actually playing themselves. And the manager has a has a speaking line. He's got one line in it, uh, George Allison, mm. and uh, he actually he has a line. And it's, but the football's great because it was it was actually a. As I say, it was the last game of the season. The crowd stayed on to watch the filming, and they uh, they just uh, they put the Trojans in the same kit as uh, Brentford had played in, and then they just cut the uh, the football scenes in with the uh, with the uh, the actual game footage, which is incredible. Oh well, okay. Well, all right. well I, I, I have seen it many years ago. I've got the DVD somewhere somebody gave me, but I'm it's Arsenal, obviously. It's very hard for me to watch an Arsenal yeah. DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I will revisit yeah. it and go back. Andy, what did you want? Andy Jacobs, what did you want to say? Uh, you do feel that it's very much modelled on Steve Bruce's Steve Barnes books, really. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's I a lot of that. Direct <laughs> relation between Quite derivative. Uh, in case you're wondering what's happened to Andy, he's, uh, we're having technical issues. You've just joined us. Andy, his line has gone down, and, um, and Andy is phoning it in. Um, so, Andy Smart is with us. We, we, we thought your name did lend itself to a kind of lots of uh, fairly cheesy date. You should have gone into cheesy daytime telly because I was called, I, I thought we'd call this one Smart Choice. Andy, Andy Smart, Smart Choice. We could have called it Smart Option. Uh, and we could th- say things like, so where does that movie fit on the smart meter? We could do things like that, couldn't we? It's a terrible business. So uh, yeah. that's number five then, Arsenal Stadium yeah. Mystery. Number four is where you're playing fast and loose slightly with calling it a football film. But I'm, I, well, it's one of my favourite football sequences in a film. So tell us what well, it is. Well, it is, yeah. It, it's Bedknobs and Broomsticks, the five-a-side game. Oh, yeah. Um, they get washed up on a, on a tropical island and they need to, to get back to real life. They need to get an ambulance, uh, a little medal off of the king, who's a lion. And so the lion says, well, uh, if you, uh, I might be able to help you if you referee to, to David Tomlinson. So David mm. Tomlinson, it's his first game as a referee, which is so, you know, it's quite a tough match. It is. Uh, it's true. <laughs> it's one of the dirtiest games you'll ever see. I mean, it's like, it's like the Chelsea Leeds replay, isn't it? It's a... From 71, yeah, it is exactly like that. It's, uh, the, the two teams are called the Dirty Yellows and the True Blues, and... Uh, and the opening and from the kickoff, the dirty yellows take the ball down towards the, the true blues goal. Uh, they've got an elephant in goal, yeah. and the crocodile's got the ball just in front of the goalkeeper, and he pulls out a mouse, which surely is a sick player. And David Tomlinson does nothing about this, and it just <laughs> it beggars belief some of the fouls that go on. I mean, at one point, the king, who's a lion, obviously. Um, he just kicks uh, an ostrich up the bum, and it's it's just it's not it's not on at all. They let it go without many cameras in the ground. You think <laughs> these days someone would pick that up? I mean, exactly. I think it was re-referee. They re-refereed the Leeds Chelsea replay of nineteen seventy. Michael Oliver did it last week and gave out eleven uh, reds. I mean, I imagine we'd see a very similar card count. Oh, yeah. I think so. In the bed, so. one of my favourite scenes is where they think the Mr. Brown, the referee, David Tomlinson is dead and the vultures yeah. come on they're, they're the ambulance men the stretcher bearers and then when and the they realise that he's not dead and he gets up they're gutted aren't they the, the vultures yeah. they're gutted yeah. so uh, well, let's play up we're going to play a bit I tell you what we should give uh, you can't really play the football match but we can no. give you one of the songs from the film get you in oh, the mood yeah. here we go bobbing along bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea what a chance to get a better peep at the plants and creatures of the deep. There we are. Uh, get, yeah. get I'm watching it. It's tremendous, isn't it? The, uh, the rhino that... reminds me of uh, Barry Horn. Tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> what reminds you of Barry Horn? The rhino, isn't it? <laughs> oh, OK, the rhino. Yeah. Fair well, enough. So okay, that, was, that was number four. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, uh, take, cause unfortunately my line is dropping out quite often, so I could go the full Norman Collier. So I'm okay. missing half of this. But I'm sure you're having a lovely time, the pair of you. And uh, we've got three more films. I'll play the one that I think you maybe should have put in there. The listeners can tell us uh, some of their favourites. But uh, talksport.com, text 8108. I think Paul's dropped off again there. Hello? Yeah, I think it is number three. What is number three, Andy? Number three is Shailene Soccer. Sherilyn Soccer is one of my favourite all-time kung fu films, and it's uh, it's basically a young lad who wants to promote uh, kung fu to the uh, the people of Hong Kong because they're they're sort of moving away from it, going into other things, and he comes up with the idea of doing it through football when he meets a an ex-footballer called Golden Leg, 
And the stunts in this film are unbelievable. Um, they are incredible. And the football sequences are incredible. It's obviously it's a fantastical film. And you've got at one point they play Tofu United in one of the uh, cup matches, the first cup match, and they win 60 nil. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, there's some great players. There's, uh, they've got, uh, there's five brothers that play for the Shale in uh, United, and there's mm. players such as uh, Mighty Steel Leg, Iron Head, who's very good at headers, Hooking Leg, who's very good at tackling, Iron Shirt, yeah. who actually uses his stomach to hit the ball into the goal, uh, yeah. Empty Hand, who's the goalkeeper, and Lightweight Vest, who's uh, got, <laughs> let's say, eating problems, uh, but can jump okay. really high. <laughs> Right. We but, can hear a bit of the trailer, I think, Andy. Would you like to hear a bit of the trailer for the film? Oh, I think yeah. it gives you very much a flavour of the movie. Let's have a listen to a bit of it. Long ago, in this sacred temple, six best friends learned the secrets and mastered the power of an art called... Shaolin Kung Fu. Now, they've lost their way. But one man is getting them back together. Kung Fu is perfect for sports. To remind them of the courage they still have and apply it to a game they've never played. Kung Fu Soccer. There we are. Uh, it, uh, Andy, it's... Uh, yeah. It, I know what you mean. You're talking about... But it's quite terrible, really, isn't it? As a, as a, as a, as a, you think it's a good film? or? I think it's hilarious. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's a comedy <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say though that it's definitely foot up. I'm surprised the ref didn't give it. <laughs> it's a lot. Well, of, yeah, it's a lot. The sort of things you get again, more reds. I said Michael Oliver should go back and have a look at that one as well. The so, South China um, Post, when it came out, the South China Post actually got a referee to sit down and watch it, and uh, yeah, he just, he annihilated it. <laughs> <laughs> you write for them, though. You're a non-league column. <laughs> yeah, I should. Yeah. <laughs> See if they can get you in. So, so so far we've had the Arsenal Stadium mystery, bed knobs and broomsticks. Number three, Shaolin soccer, and yeah. uh, number two, I think a favourite of many people. Um, yeah. So, uh, give us number two. Escape to victory. Obviously, if, if it's on, you have to watch it, if it and it's on quite yeah. a lot at the moment. So I do watch it quite a lot. But just for the the, the, the players that are involved, you know, Bobby Moore and. And uh, our dealers and uh, John Walk, <laughs> Mike Summerby, yeah. uh, the brilliant our dealers goal. Um, uh, the fact that Michael Caine's probably the fattest POW in in the history of uh, the war, um, hmm. and Stallone in goal, who actually when he when he when he joined up with the uh, the film crew and the cast, he said, "Well, I'm I'm insisting that I score the fight. I score the winning goal." And they had to explain to him that the goalkeeper rarely scores in a football match. <laughs> and it might be a little bit disingenuous if he, if he scored the winning goal. So, uh, And I love the, the shots of the crowd with the 70s haircuts and clothing with, that was like loon trousers. And uh, they're supposed to be in 1944 Paris. And uh, <laughs> the, the line where, he, where um, uh, Stallone keeps saying, um, "Where do I stand for corners?" and they just go, they just ignore him every time. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Oh, let's play you. We're going to play you the trailer for this as well. I mean, I've not ever even yeah. heard the trailer for the film. It's uh, no. it's, it's very old school. Uh, listen to this. In 1942, the Nazis thought they were sitting on top of the world, never suspecting that they could be toppled in one conflict, the most unusual battle of the war. It has been decided that a German national team will play a combined team from the prisoners of war of the occupied territories. That's crazy. Okay, I'm ready to sign up. Sign up, man. And you ought to be exhibited in Paris like performing fleas. What about me? Get out. A stacked game. The Third Reich's finest against a ragged bunch of prisoners of war. In a world. It's that guy, isn't it? It's uh, he's yeah, in a yeah. world guy. What a fantastic <laughs> voiceover that is. So it is a brilliant film. Again, it's, it is one yeah. of those movies, Andy, you think, I'll just watch. I'll watch the first 20 minutes and I'll, I'll just watch, yeah. the, I'll watch, I'll watch the And then in the end, you've sat there yeah. and watched the whole thing. It, it, yeah. it does stand up. It's a, it's, again, it's, 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 a, it's a fantastic film. So what about one or two of those that didn't make it? What about the ones that, that came close? Well, I was uh, my uh, my daughter was uh, banging on at me to get uh, Grace wanted me to put in the uh, uh, Bend It Like Beckham 
and she's the yeah. man, which, mm. which are, are, are fantastic movies. Um, they're sort of, uh, they come from the, the original sort of uh, teenage girl playing in the boys' team goes back to sort of Gregory's Girl with uh, Dee Hepburn. Yeah. yeah. And, and mm. um, against uh, John Gordon Sinclair's terrible goalkeeping. Uh, but she sort mm. of led, uh, led the way for uh, Bend It Like Beckham and then Amanda Bynes in She's the Man is, is a very funny film based on Twelfth Night. Um, um, Bynes at the start of the filming couldn't actually play any football at all, but it's, it's quite impressive her skill at the end. And there's a very funny bit where the ball hits her in the crutch and she's, she's pretending that she's a boy in the film. And so she has to pretend that it hurts. It's very funny. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> She falls for Channing Tatum, and he, he he's sort of like he's obviously very confused that uh, this uh, this boy on his uh, team is 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 falling for him, and uh, then she has to reveal that she's a girl by lifting up and showing her bra at the end. It's it's, uh, oh, okay. it's a very funny film. Yeah, it's a funny film. Uh, Porridge. I'm going to sling. Well, you know what? I was about to sling Gregory's girl. I was going to sling into the mix because yeah, the football too. in that is great. And Porridge in the Porridge film was on at the weekend, and uh, it's yeah, yeah. it's a breakout attempt. Well, Barry, the great Barry Rutter, of course, breaking That's out right. of jail, and he takes Godber and Fletch along for the ride uh, unwittingly. But it's all built in around the, a celebrity coach, yeah. football match. That's well, right. Mate, which the Steve's... goodies don't turn up, do they? The goodies are yeah. uh, supposed to play. The goodies and, and David Hamilton, but yeah. he does. Yeah. <laughs> they've got one weatherman. That's all they've got in the in the. And he, yeah, I tell you, we're going to play yeah. a little clip of that before we before okay. we get your number one there, and we will find out what your number one is. They'll play you a little clip from that porridge movie. Jeffrey Bailden was the uh, governor in the film, unlike the TV series. They played Cat Weasel, of course, for many years yeah. on TV. So let's bring you a little clip of this. This is Fletch. He's on the bench. And the governor's popped out to watch the game, which is underway. Afternoon, Mr. Treadaway. Oh, good afternoon, pleasure. How's it going? Well, difficult to tell, sir, seeing as we're only ten seconds into the game. Yes, good dog. All right, dog. No, good dog. Good dog. Which of them's the goody? Oh, I don't think he's come, sir, but we have got a weatherman there out on the wing. He says it's going to rain. Oh, look at that. Oh, will please, Slade! Who is that? That's Armstrong, sir. Class player, you, sir. Oh, yes, he's going out next month. Pity that. If we have another fixture. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it, sir? He'll be right, Choked, he will. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Steve so, Steen this morning. Yeah. You know Steve Steen, who mm. I do a lot of uh, tour yes. folks shows with? He uh, he was actually he's actually in that film, and he, he was t- he was telling oh, me right. that uh, it was the football took a whole day to film, and they were at Chelmsford uh, Prison. And what had happened was the prisoners had burnt down D-Wing. And so <laughs> they allowed the TV people to come in and film in D-Wing and play on the, hmm. the prison football pitch. But it was February and it was freezing cold. And uh, all the, 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 the lags that had been there for the whole film, uh, they took it hmm. quite personally, the football match. And a load of actors turned up for the day's shoot and they got, <laughs> they got a good kicking, I think. <laughs> oh, blimey. <laughs> Dear me, good job, Diddy David Hamilton and the goodies didn't turn up, wasn't it, really? <laughs> so, so anyway, Andy, so Andy, yeah. I was going to say, because the porridge, you traditionally think of it as a TV show, but that was a movie, so it's fine to be in your category. But I think at some point down, down the road, when we, when we get all the thing keep going, um, we, we should look at football in TV programmes, too, because I was looking at one of my yeah. favourites is uh, On the Buses, which I checked out this morning. And it's, oh, it's yeah. really good, and it's a wonderful game yeah. of football, in fact. So we can, <laughs> down there, we can have a look at that, I think, too. Thank you, caller. Well, we'll certainly yeah. add that to the list. <laughs> then he, he well, only found in a competition. He thinks he, he thinks he's sussed out the Who Are You competition. <laughs> <laughs> Andy from Chiswick. <laughs> so let's have your winner. The, We're gonna have, well, can I yeah. just say, I was in the, I was in the yeah. TV uh, 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 film about the football called Bostock's Cup, written by the brilliant Chris England. And, oh, yeah, uh, I remember that, yeah. It's, yeah. Well worth, it's well worth checking out on, uh, on YouTube, Bostock's Cut. Uh, Nick Hancock's oh, in it, and uh, uh, a very young Ralph Little plays left-back. It's all about mm. Bostock Stanley, a third-division team who win the FA Cup, and uh, they, they get together 25 years after the event, and it's sort of uh, revealed how, how they managed to win it. But there's some very, very funny jokes and very funny scenes in it. Good stuff. Andy, before you give us your winner, we're going to play a clip from it. I think people may well have guessed it. Let's, uh, it was on, I watched it at the weekend. I was talking about it yesterday and I've forgotten how great it was. It had been 11 years since I watched it. So let's give you a little moment from uh, the film. Well, I might as well tell you now. 
You lot may all be internationals and have won all the domestic honours there are to win under Don Revy. But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing you can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find because you've never won any of them fairly. You've done it all by blooming cheating. <laughs> it's a brilliant performance. I'd forgotten how brilliant yeah, it was yeah. the other day. Uh, having watched him in quiz last week, of course, the damn United, Andy. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah, it was, I mean, just uh, it was a, it's a love letter to Brian Clough, and what a shame that he never got to manage England. It would have he would have been much better than Revy, that's for sure. And um, yeah. and it's a, it's really about it's about the love affair between him and and Peter Taylor and the, and the hatred he had for Revy that came from Revy just not shaking his hand at that cup game. It's just it's mm. incredible, really, um, and just a joy to watch. And about how football was changing at that time, you know. Jim Broadbent gives a fantastic uh, uh, display as uh, Sam Longson, the Derby County chairman, who, who suddenly yeah, yeah. sort of they were starting to realise that the managers and the players had the power, and uh, it was the end of the days for local chairmen who who would sort of put their money into a club just to keep it ticking over. Hmm. Andy, we've got to leave it there because uh, we've run out of time. And obviously, we're having all these technical issues that they're trying yeah. to get to grips with, and they're going to need a little bit of time to do that. So, uh, hopefully, we can do this uh, properly uh, next week. But we do appreciate you you joining us in the Heath Robinson style to get through this, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and we'll do another five with you next week. Good man, thanks, Andy. All the I best. Think, I was thinking baseball next week. Yeah. All okay. right, okay, fair enough. There we are. There's Andy Smart there working his way for his top five force in Smart Choice. So, come up with a better title. Do let us know. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. And unfortunately, that's uh, how the show ended three o'clock um, rather than four o'clock, just two hours today. But we have cobbled together uh, an HJ Daily for you. We hope uh, you enjoyed what there was. We'll return tomorrow, uh, fingers crossed, from one. But until then, Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.